the Arizona State Football Insiders. I'm your host, Rob Penn, along with Juan Roque and J.R. Ritt. We'd like to welcome Sun Devil legend, Kyle Murphy. How you doing, Kyle? I'm doing well. How you guys doing? Good. Kyle, Kyle, it's always great to see you, my brother. It's been a little bit since I've seen your face. It's always good to see the left side come together, oh, even if it's under the circumstances. But uh, it's always good to see you, brother. Same. Hey, hey man, uh, as a kid coming from Southern California, tell us about how it was coming in and starting as a freshman. Uh, I started as a retro freshman. I only started – I started three games. Um, it was – uh, it was an adventure. It was something that I struggled with. I w- when I came out of uh, high school, I was only 255. And when I first played, I was probably 265, something like that. And I got beat up pretty good. Uh, Cal, I got beat up really bad. Uh, so I started a few and then got taken out. Uh, that was a big transition for me, just learning how to play at that level and then learning that, you know, Things that you thought you were good at, you weren't very good at. So, so, Kyle, sure. so Kyle, talking about that, obviously, we come from a different era. You come from a different era. And having that adversity early in your career, you know, I, I, I like you, I struggled as a retro freshman getting acclimated to the game. You know, what got you through that? Like, what, what, take us through the mind of 19 year old Kyle Murphy, who just got taken out. You started three games. At any time, did you think I got to go somewhere else, or or what was your mindset of getting to that next level to the to the point that you can earn your starting job back? Uh, a couple of things. One, obviously, completely different era, right? So transferring right. was not something that we that you did or even you thought possible uh, because it was because you'd have to sit out, and everybody wanted that. You know, your number one priority was to play. Um, I've been through a lot of adversity in my life leading up to that, just in terms of you know, personal, you know, family stuff. Uh, and then when I was 15, I went down and worked for my uncle at his pool hall in Arizona. Uh, he taught me what hard work was and that when you set your mind out to do something or you say that you're going to do something, you do it. And so to me, every, you know, my word was everything, right? That's who I am. If I say I'm going to do something and I've made a commitment, then I fulfill that commitment. That was reinforced in high school with Edison. Was reinforced by you know Cazetto and you know the guys that we played with um, as moving forward. I mean, look, there's there were struggles for sure, and I didn't know if I would be able to play at Arizona State after that '94 year. Cazetto had a deep belief in me um, when I didn't have one, so I think that's probably a big reason as to why I was successful is he believed in me. And that, so if this guy believes in me and he's coaching at the division one level and he knows what it takes to be successful, then let's do it. Like, okay. So I just got to work harder. And that's, that was my mentality. I just got to, I got to work harder. And everything I did was about football. Like that was number one in my life um, for a very long time. And, you know, it's part of why I was successful is because I just, I devoted everything to it. Right. And, you know, Kyle, a lot of people see the end of the end result, right? They, they see the Rose Bowl year. They see your senior year, super successful. You guys went nine and three, won the Sun Bowl. But what a lot of people don't know is the hard work and commitment it took for you to get there. And I know firsthand, we started side by side. And in 95, what, three games in, you suffered adversity again. You got injured. Yeah. yeah. Um, I tore my ACL. Uh, that was a blow. Um, somehow, 
you know, was able to not have to have it uh, repaired. I, I just had to have a scope. Um, and, and look, Doc, you, uh, P. Thompson, you know, Gray, uh, you know, the guys in that locker room and in our meeting room were a big reason. When I came back after that, I lost three games in 95. I came back for playing Oregon at Oregon. They were ranked 10th. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and Doc and I, you know, as all of us are close, and I had always told Doc that I want to be one of the best guards in the country. And I wasn't playing like it in the first half. I was you know, very apprehensive because of my knee. And he got on my ass, you know, in the locker room and said, hey, if you want to, you said you want to be one of the best guards in the country, then start fucking playing like it. So, you know, that kind of belief from your coach, from your teammates, like everything I did and I know everything you did and most guys who play, it's not about, especially on the offensive line, it's not about me, right? It's about the guys, the five guys. You don't want to let those guys down. And it's why our bond is strong to this day. Um, it's why that team's bond is strong. And ultimately, if you're not playing for each other, then you're just a collection of really talented players. Right. So I know that obviously the, the Rose Bowl let down. We, we didn't, weren't able to finish the season the way we wanted. One thing that I know has never been asked or maybe it hasn't been brought up is your spring and winter after. And how did that 97 team, what were the building blocks to the success there? Because obviously Jake's gone, I'm gone, Keith's gone. You know, a lot of guys now are no longer there. Walk us through from January through spring ball to fall camp. How did you guys come together and, and, and just kind of keep the momentum going? Because I've never asked you that. <laughs> uh, we used the media as a motivator. Uh, for the very reasons that you just said, right? You you had left Keith, left Raj, D. Smith, you know, Vondi, just, you know, a massive co- rock, you know, the rock, um, Bernie, just Bernie. a massive collection <laughs> of talent that was no longer on the team. The problem was is there was still a large collection of talent right. there. And so, you know, we felt that people believed it was a one and done, that there wasn't, there wasn't the possibility for another great season. And because of that, you know, we use that as motivation to say, okay, well, you know, we'll show you who still is here, who still has the ability to play. Um, and, you know, then like we did with the 96 because of the 95 game against U of A, you just rally together, right? What's you just, what is that thing? And that thing was, we felt, disrespected in that even though a lot of you know leaders left there were still a lot of leaders on the team and we didn't feel that people were looking at us you know as upperclassmen or as leaders it was all about what we had lost as opposed to what was coming what was still here and then what was being brought in and it's funny you know, every season has a signature win would you say that the Miami game you guys going to Coral Gables to Miami, the Orange Bowl, not Coral Gable, sorry. You guys going into that Orange Bowl that year, nobody gave you guys a chance. And I remember because we had a, I had a teammate named Robert Bailey who played at Miami, and we had a bet. Now, I won't reveal the I won't reveal the bet itself, but as I say, it was for a significant amount of money. And he said there was no way in hell that you guys would go in there and beat the Hurricanes in the Orange Bowl. 
Walk us through that weekend, Cup. You guys pulled it off. You did it. For us, uh, we it was the first time we'd ever traveled a day before to get used to time change because we yeah. had never traveled, obviously, that far east. Um, so we left on a Thursday. Uh, I remember, you know, because it was September, I, I, it was a humidity, obviously, that I'd never felt before. And it actually had <laughs> rained. It rained the day of the game in the morning. It was the only time I've ever sat on the bench and hoped that the defense didn't get a three and out or because I just I, I couldn't catch my breath. Um, I don't know if it was that. I don't know that we had – I think we had chances at bigger wins, and I think that's probably why it doesn't feel like I, – I mean, to me, for that 97 season, the signature win for us was against Iowa and the Rumble. I mean, to me, yeah. I know that's not usually how it happens. Um I think we had chances against UW and lost it. We had chances against BYU and lost it. We had chances against U of A and lost it. Like those three games kind of sour my taste as the a signature win. I am very proud of that Sun Bowl win though, because yes. of the same type of attitude that people had that we were, you know, the soft pack 10 team, we're the throwing team, you know, we can't run the ball. You know, we lose Ryan Keeley, Steve's there, Campbell, you know, and we just ran it down their face. 72 plays, 61 runs. So Eminem, you know, Michael Martin was the MVP on offense. Stott was the MVP on defense. He had three stacks. Um, it was an amazing game. Are you going to stick around with this for a second? Sure. All right. Let's talk about the elephant in the room, man. Hey, <laughs> Eastern Michigan came down to Tempe last week and put it on our Sun Devils. Uh, I think the biggest stat line was the 305 rushing yards with 36 rushing attempts for 238 from – they're tailback Evans. Yeah. Uh, we know at the end of that game, um, you know, Herm was released pretty much. So, hey, the floor is you guys. Um, I mean, I watched that game. Um, hold on just, just a second. Sorry. Um, so, for me, I watched that game, and I agree. I mean, we were just physically outmanned. I, I listened to Donnie Anderson today, and look, ultimately – this game comes down to one-on-one matchups. You got to win your one-on-one matchup, and, and we didn't. We got physically outmanned, and it's. I felt differently about this team the first two games, and I had all of last year, and I had a lot of optimism. And then watching that game reminded me of the Washington State game last year, mm-hmm. which was you know incredibly difficult um, to deal with uh, for a variety of reasons. So, I, I mean, ultimately, accountability always stops with the head guy. You know, Bruce taught us that, right? You got to take accountability for where you're at. They're not very good. They have the same, you know, same issues, penalties, bad penalties in terms of, you know, that cost them in key situations. They don't look particularly fresh. Um, just some things that, you know, you can't let go and, you had five years and you lose to a team who physically dominates you from the Mac. Like it is, you know, at that point, I don't think you really have a lot of choice, you know, and that's, and I think fan apathy is something you, you had to, tr- you have to truly worry about. And I think that definitely goes into the decision as well. Shout out to Herm Edwards for the success that he's, uh, that he's had there. Um, and trying to help, uh, you know, these young gentlemen grow to be men 
and understand what it is to 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 be a man and those that that want to go forward and go to the next level getting um a real taste and understanding of what's going to be required um the unfortunate thing about coaches is that um they can't play anymore you know so a lot of times we come down hard on coaches but you know failing to realize that you know hey guys got to play they got to make plays is it a is it a is it a coaching thing when a team goes up and they're winning the majority of the game and then they stop playing making plays is that is that the coach doing that is is that the coach missing a block over and over again is it the coach on the o line allowing penetration so that the quarterback doesn't have enough time to sit on the spot let the receiver get the proper depth to be able to deliver a great ball without pressure eight out of ten times is that the coach's fault i don't think it is and i think sometimes you know you have to look at things from a schematic point and and see uh, again football's like math either it adds up or it doesn't so you're going to look at well what's taking place is he calling the right defenses against the right looks are the right offensive plays being called are the right pass plays being called against the right coverages right are they are they running into advantageous looks from a coaching standpoint do they know what they're doing <clears throat> it looks like it from the standpoint it looks like the coaches do know what they're doing um however players got to make plays they have to play the game coaches can't play the game um so there's just a lot to be said about that i think that's some, something that people should think about taking into consideration coaches can't play they can only put the kids in position, the young men in position to make the plays. Oh, and, uh, another issue was uh, we couldn't get off the field again on third down. Mm -hmm. With us going into our Pac-12 schedule, you know, with Utah coming in and Eastern Michigan pretty much having the formula, you know, to really pick us apart. Juan, what do you think about it? Well, well, how we were exposed, uh, you know, that defensive line and that linebacker core was exposed to the rushing game last week. Well, I think without question, there is concern whether in the trenches we're going to be able to hold up because if that was Eastern Michigan pushing us around, you think of a team like Utah, UW, um, even U of A this year, you know, they're built around their offensive lines. These guys are, they're punishing people. They're, they're putting them off the ball. They're, they're depending on the run game, giving the quarterback time. So when you think about not being able to stop a team on third and 10 and they run a running back right through the middle of your defense, that's a problem offensively when you can't protect your quarterback because you're platooning the left tackle position with different guys, Kyle will tell you, you have to gel. You have to have reps together. you got to practice together. You can't just be changing people mid game and expect to have continuity or to have consistency. We have players on the team. They're just not a very good team. And when you look at a team like Utah on the horizon, who has a bruising defense, they, everything with them is based on physicality and physically punishing you at the line of scrimmage. They come in with their linebackers. They cover you with their corners. And then they get pressure. They got to find to figure out and find five guys that are consistently going to be able to block. And if they're not able to do that, it's going to be a long season. I know the coaching change got all the fans excited. Kyle's right. Fan apathy sucks. It's not something that you ever want to deal with, especially three games into a season. But when you have these types of glaring holes that need to be fixed and they need these issues need to be resolved, I mean, you talk about a short learning curve. The, the honeymoon with uh, Sean Aguano is not going to last very long if this team goes out and continues to get physically brutalized. It's, they're going to have to figure something out. 
they're going to have to have a change in either scheme or 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 methods. But uh, something definitely has to improve if they're going to have any chance to salvage this season. Hey, hey Juan, and as a student of this sweet science that we call football, we're on pace to average five sacks this season. That's not winning football. I mean, Kyle will tell you, if you're not getting to the quarterback and forcing second and long, third and long, he's running for his life back there, forcing that that fourth and 25 because you got a great sack. We have no pass rush right now. It's, it's And I know Coach Henderson's defense is is all based around pressure. He's a, he's a child of Colt, Coach Bear's coaching tree who was all about quarterback pressure, Rod Marinelli, um, you know, all those Phil Snow. So Coach Henderson's from that tree where it's all based on pressuring the quarterback. And if you're not able to get that simple thing done, then you're depending on your corners to cover forever. You're depending on your linebackers to make all your plays. I don't ever see that as a winning formula on defense when you're built around pressure. Kyle, next week we have Utah coming in. What is your prediction for that game? Uh, I'm not a I'm not a big prediction guy. What I will say is I couple things. I agree with Juan. You have you have to stop the third downs and you have to convert third downs. Both of those things, as you did so poorly last Saturday, that if you want to help you the, your other side of the ball, you have to do those things, right? Two, three and outs for the offense and the defense is right back on the field where they're running the ball. Like that's, that's not going to help them. So maintaining the football, uh, I did think in the second half, ASU did a good job of hitting the edges, trying to really use their athleticism to, to make Eastern Michigan run. Um, I don't think, and I don't think this will be solved in a week. You know, our conditioning is not good. The fact that I, I feel we look more tired than Eastern Michigan when it's 92 degrees out is a problem. Um, they have to – ASU's offense has to find opportunities to be explosive, right? X with the big run last week, they have to have those opportunities to make things easy. Otherwise, defenses are going to force them to be methodical and, they, and they're not going to be able to do it. Um because of the things Juan's have already, Juan has already said, like, who are your five guys, right? We got, I got mixed in at times too, you know, and I hated it. And I think Juan would tell you that, you know, you lose a certain level of comfort when the guy next to you changes. It did, you know, I, I never, I got to play against Juan or next to Juan and I got to play against Kirk, uh, next to Kirk Roberts. Like there, I could just say Juan's name on a particular play and that goes, if you want this thing to really gel, you got to get those five guys working. Right. It's your D line with stacks, you're right, and stopping the run and your offensive line being able to run the football. If you can't do those two things when you want to, you know, and get explosive plays, it's not going to really matter. But receivers have to make catches. They, the offense had opportunities last week, right? They threw the ball downfield. We had two go off our receivers' hands. Like it's a whole team thing. And I think that's the glaring things you see that we've missed is it's those attention. To detail, you have to finish those plays, and if you can't finish those plays, you've got to find somebody who will. And I'm not saying you should, you know, take those receivers out. That's your game, and now you have to show us that you can consistently do that. And if you can't consistently do it, then you can't play because you're not. Hey, Kyle, wants hey, win. Yeah, hey, Kyle, would you agree that those two throws, if you, if you really look at the whole play and what was happening? You know, Emory, Emory Jones was stepping back into that pocket and he did not look sure of his blocking. And I think that's a, a byproduct of not being comfortable with your protection. You'll force the throw. You'll throw it maybe a little early or you're, you're, you're lobbing it a little too hard because you're avoiding a rush. 
you know, maybe if he if he had more confidence in his blocking, those throws get made and those catches get made. So to me, Calumny always in sync with that. It starts with that blocking. It starts with finding the five guys who are going to make that pocket and give him the comfort to read the defense correctly and get the ball delivered right. Because if your quarterback's in a hurry, he's forcing the throw or he's trying to get, you know, it's, it just doesn't work. And sadly, right now, it's just, it's just not working. All right, no, what I saw last year, I'm sorry. Uh, 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 what I saw last year, what I, what I, what I see out of uh, out of Emory are similar characteristics that I saw at Florida. You know, he's gonna start getting out that pocket. You know, so it, I really don't see him really standing in that pocket. You know, now that he, now that he's collapsing around him, I'm curious to see what type of Emory, what type of quarterback that we get from Emory going forward. I mean, I've seen him. I don't know. I'll probably push back on that a little bit. I thought he did a good job standing in the pocket. I think to Juan's point, and I would agree with this, is that, again, you start to get a feel for the guys you play with, not only on the offensive line, but all around, right? Your quarterback says who's, who's protecting you, how they protect, just like you do with receivers. And I think they need to solidify who those guys are. And I think in part they've been trying to figure that out in the preseason or non-league schedule or non-conference schedule. I don't, you know. Pick your five guys. Go with that. I, I mean, again, everybody has to make plays. You know, if you, if you look a week ago, nobody made plays. N- nobody on offense. Nobody on defense. You know, from here or there. But as a whole, nobody's making enough plays. So, you know, maybe it's a confidence thing. Maybe it's you know a fresh, you know, some new blood telling them what to do. Um, like I said, you know, all of them have to play for each other. If you're not playing for each other, then Again, it doesn't really matter, and that's what they need to do is, again, rally together. Say, okay, you know, that's the defining moment right to this point. Now you have the opportunity to change it. You're, you, you still can change it. You can go try to win the conference, and that should be their goal, doing it one game at a time. And they can only control this game, and they got to go out there and try to play their best. Uh, you know, it's going to be an uphill battle. Can it be done? Sure it can. There's enough talent on that team that – if they get hot and they're feeling it, they can beat Utah. Like, there's no team minus Georgia, Alabama that you're looking at that you can on any on any given day beat. No, is yeah. it probable? Maybe not. Is it possible? Absolutely. Yeah. Now, Juan, going forward, what do you think is the formula for us to finish a, uh, with, with with a strong, you know, uh, record at the end of the season with a with a respectable bowl game? Kyle just said it, and it's something that we were taught. I still have a card in my wallet to this day, one at a time. Just worry about what's what's in front of us. And I think it's important for Coach Iguano and, and the coaching staff to put these kids in the position to be successful. Like Kyle said, give yourself the opportunity to be explosive. Give yourself the opportunity to pressure that quarterback and, and open up the, the defense to get turnovers. And it, it, Kyle's right. Any given Saturday, you have the opportunity to win. You're never going to be a true – 100% underdog. There's always going to be a percentage in your favor if you can capitalize on that and make the big plays, protect the football on your end, not give them cheap points, not give them the opening drive for a touchdown, for instance, right out of the gate. One at a time, just one play at a time, one one series at a time, one quarter at a time. They do those things and they uh, commit to not letting each other down and playing for one another. That was the big thing with us is I didn't want to let Kyle down. I'm going to block my ass off on every play because I'm not going to look at him in the face and be the guy that blew it. We, that, that, that is, 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 is uh, contagious on a team when we have that accountability, not to the coaches, but to each other. 
not because you're going to run or you're going to do up downs, but because you don't want to look your brother in the face and be the one that let the team down. They need some of that. They need some of that going on. They do that and they have that us against the world mentality. Anything can happen, guys. Anything can happen. Well, I would like to welcome J.R. Redmond to the Sun Devils Keys to Victory. Hey. Okay, Arizona State is going to face uh, number 14 ranked Utah. Um, last week, they looked pretty good. Uh, they pretty much had their way with the team that they were playing. Um, offensively, they were able to move the ball all around the field. They threw the ball all around the field. I mean, number 80 scored on a seam. Uh, number 21 scored on an in cut. Number 17, I think he scored on a deep out or a deep corner, one of the two. Um, defensively, uh, they created a turnover. Um, special teams wise, they created a turnover. Um, so, you know, they, they had a good showing. They, they pretty much had their way um, offensively and uh, defensively. The other team they played, they couldn't even run the ball. Excuse me. Stand corrected. They couldn't pass the ball at all. Um, and they were one-dimensional. So defensively, they were just able to really just dominate them. Defensively, uh, we're definitely going to have to be on our, our P's and Q's. Uh, we got to get pressure. We got to get pressure. If we don't get pressure, it's going to throw the ball all around the field. Like I mentioned, he scored on multiple routes, um, multiple receivers, okay? Um, and number uh, 17, I believe it is, it's a big guy, 6'5", all right? And he had two scores. Got to find a way to um, to stay with these guys, to stay in between the quarterback and a wide receiver, meaning being in that hip pocket and being in a position to make a play on the ball because they're going to throw the ball, definitely. Um, and they have a decent running game also. So the linebackers got to – they got to tackle, read, react, fast, come downhill, wrap up, make plays. As well as in the passing game, they definitely got to get their drops. Got to get their drops. Got to get behind these crossing routes, right? Got to get behind these in cuts, excuse me, underneath them, right? So you uh, force the quarterback to make an errant throw or trying to squeeze it in a tight window, just flat out make him throw an interception. But we have to be where we're coached to be. Um, in regards to uh, defensively, making sure that everyone's defense is like a puzzle. And when there's pieces of the puzzle missing, the offense is going to exploit it. They're going to see it. They're going to find it. So we got to make sure that, you know, we got our, our puzzle covered. Before we get out of here, we'd like to thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next week on Arizona State Sun Devils Football Insider. Go Devils. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube